I'm so glad you could make it this morning. I knew when I uh, saw the weather forecast and some of the sicknesses that were going around, I knew. I was like, okay, Lord, I guess me and whoever shows up, we're going to have church. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for for uh, tuning in online. I appreciate that. I, I do have to say, I really, really appreciate the effort that goes into our online production because they really do a good job. How I many know it's challenging to to do all that? <clears throat> well, this morning, here we are. The calendar pages have been turned. It's not 2020 anymore, it's 2021, and I'm sure that many of us, that hence going forward, we will look back and we'll refer to 2020 as that year. But the cool thing is that how many know that even in the midst of times of difficulty and things that you can still see the hand of God moving. You can still see his provision. You can still see his blessings. For us personally, there were some things that we faced that, you know, I'll be honest, and I'll get more to that later. I hope we don't see another year like that. However, there were some things that were good about it. We actually were able to move closer to the church. God blessed us in that area. We have a grandbaby. I mean, eight months old. Adorable. Love her to pieces. You know, I've heard people for years say, you know, if I'd have known grandchildren were this great, I would have had them first. Well, I kind of understand the feeling. I love my kids. But there is something about that precious little face. So there were things that were good about it. But in all honesty, looking forward, I'm a little gun shy of predicting what 2021 is going to look like. You know, I've kind of joked with some of our board members that, that last year at this time, I did this whole series called 2020 Vision. Man, God's going to do this. Man, just this, because it just seemed like it fit. And none of it played out like it was supposed to. <laughs> So I'm not even going to try that for 2021. (laughs) And in all honesty, so far, it's not so better. But like every year, there's potential that is there. Will I and my family be better? Will we grow in our faith? Will the church advance despite some of the setbacks of 2020? Because let's make no mistake, there's been some challenges and it's caused some sitbacks. But praise God, he's been faithful. But I do know this, and I want you to put this in the bank. God will move in 2021. But there will also be challenges that we will face in 2021. What we have to make sure is that no matter what comes, our face, our focus is on advancing in him. That is the only marker we can set. So how do we prepare? What, we can, what can we do on our part that will set us up for God to do his part? How do we do more than just survive? but thrive in the year that's before us. And I mean thrive no matter what lies ahead. We see examples in Scripture again and again of people that face challenges, yet God, because of their faithfulness to Him, caused them to thrive even in times when it seems the whole nation around them was struggling. I don't know about you, but that's what I desire. And as I was thinking about that, my mind went to Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, and it says this, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help. Everybody say, my help. 
comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. To me, this passage is a key piece. And as we begin to make our way into this year, and we need to be aware of some things, and we need to be aware of some of the dangers and the things that lie ahead, but we never need to let those things that are going on around us become our sole focus. We need to look up. We need to lift our eyes up. You remember when you were learning to swim? You know, maybe, maybe you had parents that were nice and, and, and put you in swimming lessons and, and it was taken easier. Maybe you had somebody that just tossed you in the water and said, figure it out. But what did you learn in that process? You learned not to focus on the water and the waves and how deep it was. You learn to set your eyes on your goal of where you're trying to get and just do what you could do to get there. So I thought about that. I even thought about Peter in that time that Jesus came walking on the water and the waves and, and Peter was the only one that said, hey, Lord, let me come. And he stepped out of the boat and he walked in and everything. And he was doing great until he took his eyes off of Jesus. It's not unlike what we're stepping into as we step into this new year. There's all kinds of things going on around us. (coughs) There's all kinds of things that can be distractions. (coughs) Forgive me if I cough here and there. I'm well, but tickle right there. But we need to keep our eyes on our destination. We need to lift up our eyes and look to the hills. Oh, we all long for safety. We long for comfort. But I think sometimes we forget that the safest place we can be is right in the middle of his will. And sometimes the middle of his will is in the middle of the storm. And if you're walking in his will, you're safer there than staying huddled up someplace. You know, Psalms 121 that we're talking about this morning, we're going to get into a few more verses there in a moment, but it's known as one of the 15 Psalms of the Ascent. Now, I've mentioned this before, but three times a year, a faithful Hebrew was required to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for three of the holidays. And so if you lived on the outside, you would make this journey, you would make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is kind of a natural high point. And so for many of them, the places they were coming from, it literally was a bit of an uphill journey to get there. And it wasn't always going through the greatest and the smoothest places. And so literally, as they made this journey, they were ascending both physically and spiritually. And so these psalms of the ascents were songs that they would sing to help them as they made that journey. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up and, and I um, we would make this trek at least once a year. We moved here when I was five years old to this area from, uh, <clears throat> from um, Mount Olive, Alabama area. That was our area. And we had a lot of family, and we had some family in the edge of Mississippi, and so that's kind of where we were from, and so we moved. And so with grandparents and so many relatives back there, once, at least once a year, we'd make that journey back. Now, it was great when I-20 got opened all the way up on that journey, but before then, it was two-lane highways and cutting over this way, And there was a bridge to cross the Mississippi River at that time where we had to cross. There was this old iron bridge, a lane going that way and a lane coming this way. It was built during the Model T time, so it was narrow. And 18 wheelers would pass. And on the outside of it was this train track. 
And, and the, the train track, if, if it happened at a time, we were going through it, and you had 18-wheelers coming this way, and a train on the, on the bridge, you could feel the thing shaking as you were crossing. That bridge, loved going to see my grandparents, loved the journey of getting there, but that bridge gave me nightmares when I was a kid. I mean, literally, I remember having dreams of the bridge collapsing and us falling, you know, a day or two before we make that journey. So there was some things about that journey. And so one of the things that we did as a family is we would sing some songs. And we would, we would play little games, you know, where you would pick out animals or the alphabet game or all the little games that you play. A lot different from like today. Today, you toss a tablet back there and say, here, find you a movie. <laughs> but these songs of the ascent, these psalms, were more than just something to occupy the time on the journey. Because for many people, this was not a short day trip. It was a journey there was spending the night out in the wilderness. There were all these things that came with this journey. And these psalms, part of what they would do was they would begin to prepare people's hearts, begin to encourage them and prepare their spirits. Much of the theology that was so important was a part of this, and they would sing them, and they would memorize them, and it would be this spiritual, as they were making this journey, not only was they ascending physically, this would help them ascend spiritually as it prepared them. So you can imagine many of the essentials, even today, that they can help us remember. If we, if we memorize these psalms, if we get to know them, they can help us remember who we are. They can help us remember why we're going the way that we're going. They can help us remember why we're on this journey in the first place and that the destination that we're headed for is not the destination that everybody else is headed for. We need these reminders today to make our way. In 2020, there's a phrase that kind of became an it phrase for the pop culture. We're going to see how many of you are in to understand the pop culture. There's a phrase that has kind of become a phrase during this year. This is the way. In case you're not figuring out where that came from, let's just say that Baby Yoda was a part of that. And that was a statement that's all through the, the, the episodes. Somebody would say something, happened. this is the way. Now, think about that. Today, we're referred to as Christians. But that wasn't the case at the beginning. It actually wasn't until Acts chapter 11 where it says at Antioch is where they were first called Christians. Did you know that before that, that they referred to themselves as members of the way? Jesus himself in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. So today I've given this message the title, This is the Way to face 2021. I read earlier, Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. <clears throat> you know, we have, may have no idea what this journey is going to look like. I do know this, we must keep pressing on. We must keep trusting we must make this journey with our eyes lifted up to the destination, no matter what is going on around us. Because 2021 is really, what is it? It's the next leg of an ongoing journey. This thing that we call life. And this is not a quick trip. Just like this journey on the Psalm of the Ascents, it was not a quick trip. It wasn't just, hey, we'll run up there for a couple of hours and we'll be back home for dinner this evening. No, it was a commitment. 
They knew that they were headed on a journey. And, and it took discipline. And did you know that the word disciple, the root word, is discipline? So what is disciple? What is discipleship? It's continued obedience in the right direction no matter the circumstance. You know, Scripture tells us that our, that our family business, when we're, when we're bought and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, our family business, because now we're blood relatives in Christ, and because of that, our family business, Jesus told us very clearly, go and make disciples. To make one, you got to be one. You know, when, when, when because of marriage, life is brought in this world, we make humans because we're humans. When we bring spiritual life into this world, we should be making disciples because we're disciples. Discipleship is obeying God and obeying Christ for the long haul. Over a long year, into the next year. But what do we live in? We live in instant gratification society. We are so used to everything being at an instant. Matter of fact, now that it's primarily Kim and I at the house on a regular basis, we don't even use the regular dishes. We've got in the habit of buying stacks of paper plates and disposable forks and stuff. And, and, and when we eat on the go or whatever, it's just we're done, trash can, clean. We like it instant. We like stuff that we can prepare quickly. I mean, we can buy vegetables that are already chopped up, throw them in, throw in a little bit of meat, stir it up, done. You know, I mean, it's just we, we, we live in a society that we're used, we want it quick, we want it easy, we want it just to happen. We struggle with the idea of being on this journey. We're kind of like the kids in the back seat. We're on this journey to arrive at the new Jerusalem. And we're constantly looking at Jesus, who's supposed to be our author and our perfecter of our faith, the one that is leading the journey, the one that is guiding us, and we're the ones that are constantly asking, are we there yet? Because we don't like the idea of journey. We don't like the idea of, 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 of putting that effort in. Isn't it amazing how often we will say to each other, wow, where did the year go? It just flew by so fast. But isn't it also interesting how at the beginning of the year we can talk about commitment to discipleship. We can talk about commitment to prayer. We can talk about reading the scripture plans. We can, we can challenge people to do all these things, to ascend in their faith over the course of the year. And that's just too much work and too much discipline. A year is such a long time to commit to that. Yet when we get to the end of the year, we're going to say, wow, where did the year go? Isn't it interesting? I know I could beat us all up for a little bit there, but I'm not going to. But just like the travelers of the ascent, we must resolve ourselves to the idea of this journey being worth the effort. Enduring no matter the challenges. Because the honest truth is, what other choice do we have? Do we give in? Do we fall on the wayside? Do we give up? Or do we press on? You know what I picture? I picture them traveling on this road. Maybe some of them had this long trek that they were doing and them traveling. And you can just imagine because you know what? They weren't just cruising down the highway listening to Spotify. They were walking. 
They had their animals. Some of them maybe riding, but some of them had these pack animals that were carrying all their stuff because they couldn't stop at McDonald's on the side of the road. But can you imagine this journey and being tired? And you finish one hill, and it's like, oh, finally a place to rest, only to look and see, oh, there's another hill. There's another obstacle to overcome. But I just picture that. I mean, think about it. Picture what the journey must have been like. I just picture someone looking at the next challenge, but somehow on the inside, something began to well up and somebody would break out saying, and they say, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Can you see the value of them singing that as they were making that journey? What if as a people we got back to the idea that when we're facing those times and we, and we caught top that hill and we're looking, we're saying, oh, Lord, not another challenge, not another thing. And all of a sudden, instead of cowering, and not, instead of looking around and saying, I just give up, if all of a sudden something would well up inside of us and we begin to sing these very words in our hearts. Because as we travel along, Every one of us at some point says, oh, not another hill. I don't have another one in me. See, so far 2021 doesn't look so much better than 2020. And not, I'm not prophesying anything. But we're probably all thinking, Lord, will there ever be another season of rest? Because it's challenge after challenge. But we must resolve today to press on. We must resolve in our hearts to follow the way of the ascent and continue that upward climb. Yes, I'll be honest, I want an easy and prosperous year. I miss normal. I do. I miss coming in on a Sunday and the house being full. I miss much of those things. I miss normal terribly. But is that all we want out of this year? Just a return to what was? Because what was, though it had its moments wasn't the greatest. Sometimes we've got to walk through the rough spots to become spiritually awake again. We have to have faith to stay in the way, to stay on this journey, making this ascent into everything he has for you because when we get there, it's going to be so much grander than anything else we can, we can even dream of or obtain on this earth. But besides that, the great thing about making that journey with him, even if it's through difficulties, if we're in the midst of his will, praise God, he gives us blessings. He loves us. He cares for us. And you know what? Let me just throw this out there. There are people in Scripture that saw incredible miracles, incredible provision of God. God do mighty things that transform the environment around them. God even breaking his own laws of physics on their behalf. But you notice, none of those things ever happened in the midst when everything was hunky-dory. They were facing a challenge. 
and they stayed true and they continued pressing on. And even when it seemed impossible, God provided the miracle that they needed just when they needed it. 2021 is going to have its own hills to overcome. That I do know. But you know what? Here's the good news. We were never meant to face it alone. What did they do in these journeys? They did what I call group travel. Because there was safety in numbers. One of my biggest concerns about the challenges that we face is this temptation right now for people to retreat into isolation. Now, I'm not saying throw caution to the wind. I'm just saying that we have to be careful not getting pulled into a mindset of isolation and doing things alone because when the enemy gets you isolated, when he gets you alone, then all of a sudden, that's when he can come in. I mean, you watch any nature show you want to watch and you watch the predators hunt the packs. Their whole goal is to get somebody scared enough to run off and isolate themselves so that it can pounce. There is safety in doing this thing, number one, following his leadership, but doing it together as a group. I'm not saying there aren't reasons for caution, but we should all be praying and asking ourselves, Lord, where do I need to move forward in faith despite these less than ideal circumstances? Kristen and I had a little bit of a conversation this week. We were talking about some other stuff and we got on it. And basically we were talking about, you know, this idea, basically boiled down to me in my mind. You know, we pray and we desire revival. We say, Lord, with everything going on, pour out your spirit. But here's my concern. I'm just being honest. If God were to send revival, who would participate? Have we led our quest for security and safety? I mean, what if he were to pour out his spirit? What if we started seeing miracles? Who would be here? And I'm not getting on to anybody that's playing it, that I understand that, there are, that this is unprecedented times. God gave us a brain. I understand that. But he also gave us faith. And at sometimes, at some point, we've got to step out in faith. I don't have all the answers. I do know there's danger in isolation, though. Because if we try to walk this journey alone, we're in danger. See, they understood the importance of traveling as a group, of being in it together. Galatians 6.2 gives us a great clue. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is our job to support one another. Somehow we have to get past the courtesy, oh, I'll be praying for you. Do we say that? And maybe whisper a five-second prayer so we're do we really step in? I wonder if it came down to it. You know, read the story in, in Acts chapter 12 where Peter was thrown in jail and there was a prayer meeting that was called and people gathered together and they prayed and they prayed all night. And pre- Peter was miraculously set free. And even though they were praying, it's so funny, Peter shows up at the door, knocking on the door because God had miraculously let him out of prison. And, and when, when the servant girl opened the door and saw that it was Peter, she thought it was perhaps his ghost, Scripture says. The rest of them didn't believe. I mean, here they are in the city. God moved. God set Peter free. And they were shocked when it happened. If we were to reach that place, if our nation reaches that place that we need to gather together and pray for our nation, who would show up? I will say this before it sounds like I'm just getting on everybody. I know when 
Fred Salter had COVID and was in the hospital, and it looked really scary for a little bit. I was amazed how we set up a 24-hour <clears throat> prayer circle, and people signed up, and all 24 hours was taken up, and it really only took about 10 to 12 of those hours before all of a sudden. Here's a man that they were talking about the respirator, and all of a sudden everything broke, and literally within that short period of time, he was moved from ICU to a regular room. I mean, God began to move that fast. See, I think we have some things in our arsenal that we can get so concerned about everything going around us that we forget the value of them. Are we ready yet to intercede for our nation? See, time may be our most valuable commodity, but it is never, ever wasted when we spend it in pursuit of God and we spend it lifting up one another in prayer. We are making our way through a world filled with dangers and distractions. This whole thing, this journey that they were on together was still filled with dangers and it was filled with distractions. For the ancient traveler, harm could come in many different ways. David even mentions some of them in this psalm. Verse 3 says, he won't let you stumble. Well, you can imagine when you're making that long journey in the middle of nowhere and you're walking and you have things packed on animals, if something comes up lame from stumbling, you're in trouble. Then we know the second verse 6, it says, and the sun will not harm you by day. I think that's pretty self-evident. Right? Out there on this desert journey. Then it says something interesting, nor the moon by night. Picture this. I've often wondered, why, why are we worried about the moon? Then I found something very interesting. Think about this multi-day journey with all the stresses and all the dangers. Camping out in the wilderness. You're tired Can you imagine, for some, all those anxieties in that time when they're stopped and they're down and they're trying to rest and trying to sleep in in this dangerous environment as they're making this trek. You can imagine there could be some, there could be moments that all those stresses and all those things would kick in and people could have emotional episodes that could be dangerous. Did you know that they really had a term for that during that time in that culture? They referred to it as being moon, as moonstroke. So that's why David said, nor the moon by night. After a long time on the road, all this stuff, not to mention robbers. Think about this. Robbers knew these were the seasons that this roads would be full of travelers. I don't know about you, but if you're in that business, you're like, hey, this is like the Christmas season. And so you know they were looking, and they were looking for traps. They were looking for those people that were traveling isolated. And the only way that they could make it, the only way they could be saved, number one, depend on God. But number two, travel in a large enough group that nobody's going to mess with you. But it wasn't just those things. As we move forward in 2021, we'd better band together watching out for one another. We better understand, we better warn other people of the dangers when we see them. How many know that, you know, we, we, we're people that we love, we, we hate it. We, somebody says something to us, sometimes we're like, I wish they'd mind their own business. How many know that sometimes we need somebody that sees something we don't see to come to us in love and say, I want to point out, I see this danger. And I love you enough that I want you to turn from that. I'm praying for you. Watch out for this area. Pressing on and praying through as we all make our way together. But it wasn't just the dangers, there were the distractions. I'm sure many times on the journey they're like, you know, 
This is a nice place to rest. You know what? If you squint your eyes, you can almost see Jerusalem from here. I think this is far enough. You know what? When the day comes, we'll just stretch our hands out towards Jerusalem and we'll pray. And we'll do better next year. Because you know what? Praying and worshiping, Lord, help me here. Praying and worshiping at home is powerful, but there's just something about coming together as the body of Christ. A lot of you know that last Sunday, Kim and I both were a little under the air weather, and, and because of Kim's work, there had to be a test. Not covid We are still allowed to be sick during flu season. (laughs) So we had to do something that was absolutely not the normal. We sat home last week. I want to publicly thank Pastor Nate for stepping in at the last minute. I, he did a great job, and, and as he was talking about not, not looking back, I thought, dude, you are sitting up. The, I mean, you know the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. You're sitting up exactly because what I had planned was the very next the natural follow-up to what he spoke on. And so we're sitting there. We're stuck at home. Oh, I skimmed through the live stream sometimes to see how I was doing, but it was different being at home, sitting on the couch. Yes, in my pajamas. Putting it on the TV and watching the live stream. I thank God for the live stream. It was a great service from what I could tell. I mean, I... You know, even the presence of the Holy Spirit to a level translated through the screen. But at the same time, I was saying the whole thing is like, oh, it is just not the same as being there. Seeing what God was doing is like, oh, I want to be in the middle of that. So I want to challenge with something. I'm not, I'm not getting on to anybody, but we need to remind ourselves of this. There is something about when we come together. Here's my concern, because I've heard there are different experts. You know, I mean, you can find an expert to say anything. In fact, I heard something long ago. The word X means unknown. A spurt is a, is a drip under pressure. So really, an expert's an unknown drip under pressure. So you can kind of put it in that perspective. But there are experts that are saying the church will never recover some of those that were lost during this season because people will become so comfortable with staying home. With that in mind, think of this. Never let your quest for comfort and safety, let your quest be for comfort and safety, but always pursue his way. Let's face it, naturally, we all want comfort. We want safety. I like playing it safe. I like having a little bit of money set aside in the bank account as the rainy day fund. I I like having some of those things in place. I like it like that. But sometimes God calls us to take steps of faith. And if our quest, if our pursuit is to find comfort and safety, we will miss out on so much of what God has for us. You know what? I don't picture, I'm meddling here, I know, but I don't picture the Holy Spirit coming along and saying, are you comfortable? Everything good? Can I get you anything? His job is to challenge us in pressing on in this journey. And sometimes that calls us out of comfort. Sometimes that calls us out of what we perceive as safety. To step and to walk in areas 
than in the natural aren't safe. But as I said earlier, when you're walking in the middle of his will, that is the safest place you can be. That missionary that's out there on the front lines because they answered the call that God called them to step into a dangerous area of the world, they're safer there than if they had decided to stay home. Never let your quest be for comfort and safety but always pursue his way and his purpose. Because God never called us to be comfortable and safe. He calls us to trust him to the point where we're willing to step out when he speaks. Lord, help me walk upon the waters when you call. Make my trust that we sing about that. Let me tell you about some of the distractions with it. They had to watch out for shrines to false gods. And false philosophies along the way that I'm sure looked very attractive because during that time, during the time that this psalm was wrote, there was all kinds of pagan stuff going on in the nation. We hear about how what would happen whenever God would send revival to the land of Israel, what would it say? It would say that the, the kings would this king or this leader would go and tear down the high places because during the high places they would put these shrines to these pagan gods and to these things and so you can imagine as they're making this journey as they're walking along I'm sure there was nice places set up that looked inviting and they were they were pagan shrines and things you can imagine it's like okay I'm pressing on towards this journey but I'm weary and I'm tired boy that rest area area looks really nice and you make a detour and you sit down for a little bit and all of a sudden the spiritual influences of where you're resting begins to to influence shrines were set up areas were planted for that purpose and as they reached the outskirts of the cities, some of those pagan religions even had prostitutes whose jobs were to entice people. I'm not going to visualize any further than that. But there are so many distractions around us today and we, and we reach the point that we can become far too comfortable with all the things around us and everything the world has to offer. We're on this journey and we live in a world where everything is screaming at us. Hey, look over here. Look what we've got. You know what you really need? This product I've got, this thing, this way of life. Oh, this is what you're looking for. And any time we buy into what the world has to offer, we're missing out on what we were created to be. To acquire an appetite for the ways of God, we must reject the ways of this world. We must walk away from competing philosophies that all oh, sounds good. They make a great argument. But what they lead to is becoming much more comfortable with this world than pressing on to what he has for us. And let's face it, we live in a time where the world is full of spiritual prostitutes that are trying to entice us this way and that. Finding something that, that some, some cause or some something that touches our heart. And we say, oh, that is, a, that is a valid call. And we walk into something and we head down a path that is contrary to the word of God. And we find ourselves off. And the next thing you know, we're prostituting ourselves to something that is ungodly. See, I think we have to admit that we all need help. And we need to walk this journey out with our eyes wide open for all 355 days that are left in this year. Another song of the ascent I think describes today very well. Psalm 120 verse 1 through 7. It says, In my distress I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? Oh, what shall be done for you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows 
of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe to me, I dwell in Meshech. And they dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. We live in a day of lying tongues full of deceit and violence. Much of it is aimed against biblical truth. Isn't it interesting how that we speak love, we speak peace, we speak truth, yet in so many circles, what we believe is considered the problem. Why? Why do they see us as the problem? I had this revelation this week. See, we're all looking for peace. They're just looking for a different kind of peace. Literally, this is what it boils down to. They're looking for a peace from conviction and the consequences of sin. That's the whole thing. We're looking for peace with God. But to have peace with God, that means something has to be done with our sin. Do you see the difference? They're looking for peace. They're like, oh, don't you dare say anything that would make me feel conviction over my pet sin. Don't you dare say anything that says my lifestyle or my chosen way of behavior is wrong. I dare you. Because that makes me feel bad. There ought to be remorse over sin. There ought to be conviction when we're off the mark. Conviction and remorse and that sense of guilt is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Thank God. Anytime the Holy Spirit gets on to me for something, I don't like it, but thank God for it. Because that reminds me, number one, he still loves me enough to say, ah, don't do that. They're looking for peace. They don't like conviction. They don't like the idea of repenting and turning from wicked ways. We're offering peace, true peace. But the sin must be dealt with to have peace with God. Thank God Jesus came. He walked this earth. He allowed himself to be crucified on the cross, laid in the grave, and rose on the third day so that we would have the means to deal with that sin. Thank God that our sins are forgiven. It is the greatest message. It may not go with the peace that they're looking for, but I'd rather have the peace that I have any day because I can go to bed at night and I can know that my sins are forgiven. I can know that I'm washed clean in the blood. I can know that that if the world does blow up over the next few days, it's all right because I'm just going to be standing there with him. We need help on this journey. We need help on, from the Holy Spirit. We need help from each other. Man, I, I need to wrap up here. But Daniel is a great example of somebody that realized the state his nation was in. We read in Daniel chapter 10 that it begins to talk about how that he began to intercede and pray for 21 days for his nation. Now, there's some debate over what exactly was going on, but what's clearly understood is he saw things going on around him and the nation that he knew the consequences of what it would lead to. And he began to intercede. He began to pray. He began to fast of sorts. He talks about how that, that he didn't do anything. Basically, there's a fast that named after what he did. That is called the Daniel fast. 
And he did that. And for 21 days, can you imagine talking to anyone today about say, hey, for 21 days we're going to do this and we're going to intercede from our nation? Most people are like, yeah, have fun with that. But he did it. And he had this interesting encounter. Daniel 10, verse 12, 13. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have become because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I have been left alone there with the king of Persia. He's not talking here about the king of the country. He's talking about the spiritual authority over that area. In other words, when Daniel prayed, there's a spiritual battle that began for 21 days. But, it, but the moment he started praying, that unleashed some things in heaven and God, and there began this battle and this turmoil over the spiritual level. And 21 days later, the answer came that he had passed that he had prayed for and God showed up and changed things here's our problem and I know I'm going to step on some toes here but I'm going to do it anyway we keep trying to win a spiritual battle through political means yes I've got my convictions but we're on this journey and we keep trying to worry about voting the right people in. And yes, that I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't do our part. All I'm saying is we need to get our eyes off of the world around us and begin to realize that this is a spiritual battle and we need to begin to fight the spiritual battle through spiritual means because that is the way you turn a nation. You can't legislate morality. But when the Holy Spirit of God comes and it begins to transform lives and, and it begins to spread and it begins to grow and God begins to do things and he sends revival, when those things happen, that's what turns a nation. There's way too much talk of violence. And what's wrong and illegal is wrong for both sides. The true answer is we've got to get aggressive in the spiritual realm. Yes, amen. A couple of months back, I preached on 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Verse 12 and 13 says this. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then he says something interesting. He says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or to send pestilence among my people. I want you to notice something. He says, not if that happens, but when. Let me set the stage here. They had just dedicated the temple. I mean, it was a glorious spiritual moment for a nation. The temple had been built. It had been dedicated. All the stuff had happened. I mean, the sacrifices were made, thousands upon thousands of sacrifices. They did all this work, all this effort. Literally, God himself sent the fire to light the sacrifices. It tells us that the presence of God was there so strong, the priests could not perform their duties. In other words, they couldn't have churches normal because all of the presence of the God was there. But can you imagine coming off of that great day? I'm sure Solomon went to bed that night. He's like, whoo, all these years of labor, all this stuff I've worked for in this nation. Wow, what a glorious day. And then God in that evening speaks to him in that moment and says, when I do this, you know what he's saying? This is a great season. But the nature of people are, eventually they will turn from me. 
And when they do, and my response is this, then he says, verse 14, which we all know very well. I just think sometimes we forget the context. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. First three words, if my people. He didn't say, if all the sinners will repent. He said, if my people. Could it be that our land is not healed because it's not gotten bad enough for his people to humble themselves, to pray, to repent from their wicked ways? It's not, it's not got bad enough for us to get back and seek God's face. Has it not gotten bad enough for us to turn from, as I said, our wicked ways? Has it not gotten bad enough for the church to become the church again and get their eyes off the circumstances and look to the hills again? Jesus is saying, keep following me. This is the way. Wrap up with this. If we can get some musicians. As I look around and I see everything that's going on, to me it's almost like we're on this journey. And probably more than ever, if I close my eyes just right and I look in the distance, I'm like, you know what? Is that Jerusalem within sight? Is that the end of this thing in sight? Is this journey approaching its conclusion? This journey is worth the toil. It's worth the effort. It's worth getting on our face before God. We forget that the whole reason of this journey in the first place is to meet God. We want to be set right with God. We want to meet God. I want to see him face to face. I want to hear those words with my ears. Well done, good and faithful servant. The Bible's full of individuals that looked up, looked past all the distractions all the issues they saw around them their day, and they decided that the journey was worth it. Because this journey is the only way to the true answer. And they decided to do it. They decided to do it together. They decided it was worth fighting side by side with each other. Yes, there was a cost to them, but the reward was great. And I can only imagine as they were traveling on this journey and all of a sudden they looked up and they finally saw the destination. They finally saw Jerusalem. Got a picture of Jerusalem here. Can you imagine making that journey and all of a sudden it wasn't a Muslim mosque on that spot. It was the temple of the Holy God. And they looked up and they saw that and they said, finally, we've pressed through all this stuff. We've walked past the shrines to false gods. We escaped through the robbers by supporting one another and trusting in the Lord on the journey. And as we traveled, And we went past. And even when the prostitutes tried to call us off the side, we kept pressing on. And now here we are. There's the destination. Can you imagine? I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Maker of heaven and earth. All the reward was great. 
See, we're looking for a similar moment. One of these days, that very city, Christ himself is going to set up his reign right there. That's what we're pressing on towards. And when that season's done, there's going to come time that we're going to see a new Jerusalem descend from heaven and rest in that place. Streets of gold, all the things the scripture talks about. See, here's what we're looking for, Revelation 21.2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See, we'll thrive in 2021 if we resolve to finish this journey, if we will travel it together, if we'll face the dangers and distractions in a unified manner, realizing that we all need God's help. And because our number one goal needs to be to meet with God and to walk in the midst of His will. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then we're going to pray. My heart was heavy with some of the things that happened this week and some of the things going on in the world around us. And this wasn't even on my radar, but I was just in my own devotion time just reading scripture and I ran across Psalm 60. Oh, I'm familiar with it. But in the context of what's going on in the world around us, I mean, these words of the first four verses just jumped off the page at me. Listen to these words. You've rejected us, O God, and broken our defenses. You've been angry with us. Now restore to us your favor. You have shaken our land and split it open. Don't you just see the spiritual split in our nation? It jumped off. I mean, this is where we are. He goes on to say, seal the cracks for the land trembles. You have been very hard on us, making us drink wine that has set us reeling. You may feel like you're a little reeling, a little knocked back. But I love how David, in the middle of those moments, he always comes back around to the right thing. He says, but you have raised a banner for those who fear you. A rallying point in face of attack. David and his men have been caught surprised. They were fighting a battle for the Lord. And another enemy saw this opportunity and said, hey, let's attack from the other side and take part of the nation. The land literally was split. And they were reeling. So you can imagine the dismay that they were in. you have raised a banner for those that fear you a rallying point in face of attack here's the best part God has not forgotten a banner has been raised in biblical times there was a banner if you got out in battle and you got separated you're like where's my guys at You could turn and find your banner and make your way back and rally with those that were on your side and regroup to fight again. I believe, it's not anything in my notes, but I truly believe 2021 has the potential to be incredible. All the political scene may still blow up. 
There may be all kinds of stuff that happens in this nation. But I believe that he's raising that banner. And if his people lift up their eyes and look for that banner and rally underneath that banner and pursue him and say, you know what? We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder. We're going to draw our swords. We're going to spend our time rallying around him. And we're going to begin to fight this battle, not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. And I believe as we fight together in the spiritual realm, that things will change, that God will change the spiritual atmosphere, and he will begin to pour out his spirit, and we will see incredible things happen. That doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties. But you know what? I'd rather take a move. I'd rather see a move of God. And us face difficulty and see souls truly change, to see people's eyes finally opened. We have to challenge ourselves to be obedient and to follow that. I want us to take a few moments. I'm not going to do a traditional altar call, but I want us to pray for individuals I want us to pray for this church and I want us to pray for our nation and pray that we will rally to the cause of the banner of Christ so they're going to pray they're going to lead us they're going to play, they're going to lead us and as they worship I want you to just take a few moments The altars are open. You can walk and pray. I'm a walker when I pray. But I want us before I know we've gone a little over.